Welcome back to the Game Link Podcast, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Levy. Levy. I'm your host, Levy, and uh, this is my friend, Elmer, joining us as always. Hello and salutations, our good friends out there. <laughs> um, today, we're going to be talking about Warcraft, the movie from 2018. 17. 17, really? Or was it 16? No, 16. Was it really that long ago? Yes, it was. Yeah, no, it was 16. Wow. Well, shows how much I paid attention. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks, Elmer? Well, uh, kind of the main reason we didn't actually have an episode last week is because I have sounded like Nick Nolte for the better part of about two weeks now. Uh, right after, on thir- uh, two Thursdays ago, we did a little bit of a special guest episode for our friend over at Thor's Hour of Thunder. I made a joke about how, oh no, I'm getting over my cold, so I no longer sound like Nick Nolte. Uh, last weekend, I definitely sounded like Nick Nolte, so the phone call over to Levy consisted of, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> this ain't gonna happen. I'm not gonna be able to do anything to talk about Warcraft, man. <laughs> so, uh, no, basically, me getting over that... Uh, basically me working from home and, uh, well, me trying to get everything back on track is pretty much all that's been happening for me. How about yourself, sir? Well, yeah, uh, well, we did that episode on Thor's Hour of Thunder, which was, uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Miami Vice and Grand Theft Auto, so, um, go check that out, Thor's Hour of Thunder, if you want to listen to that. It was a lot of fun. Um, but let's see, what else did I do? I... Oh, also, we should say, uh, for anybody who is thinking, or at least on the fence for being a Patreon member of ours, uh, once you get on the Patreon, the first level will actually unlock the picture of us going to a 1980s party <laughs> where we are dressed like members from Miami Vice slash uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. So, you know what? I think, if anything, that should be a good uh, good way you of being able to see what we look like. I don't think I was part of that. No, but I got a picture of you standing there in your Tiger t-shirt. Oh, yeah, from the disco. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we went to that that uh, '80s disco. Yep, at the um, <laughs> at the Minneapolis Uptown. Well, maybe not the Uptown, but the Dinky Town. So basically, the um, best way of describing it, the University of Minnesota, kind of their party uh, area in terms of bars and stuff like that. Their lesbian bar um, had a actual 1980s party where everybody showed up and had a great time, including us. Who, well, between Lebby and I here, we are not lesbians, and on top of that, we are definitely not college students, but all were welcome, and it was a great time <laughs> yeah, a lot for all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's see. I've been... So I went to Atlanta for work um, for a few days, so it was kind of nice to get away from the snow and all that, but uh, yeah, uh, that was kind of it. So I brought my I brought my Switch with me to play on like the plane and in my hotel room and stuff, so because of that... I ended up playing a lot of um, Skyward Sword, Legend of Zelda, um, which I'd never really gotten through much of that game before, and I really uh, am liking it, so I'll be continuing to play that. Scared me there for a second. I thought you were going to say, while you are in Atlanta, some bigger boys walked up and stole your Switch from you. (laughs) Oh, no, no. No, I wasn't wasn't in any bad neighborhoods or anything like that, but... uh... Oh, I wasn't making a joke of you getting mugged. I just meant, like, some... Bigger people walk up to the airport and just like, yo, nerd, now. <laughs> no, I did I did uh, pull the switch out on the plane, and the person sitting next to me was like, oh, is that a PlayStation? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's a Nintendo. Oh, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's a Switch. Like, what do you think it was? 
the so, new PSP Switch. <laughs> says so, Nintendo on it, but it's fully Sony. <laughs> yeah, so I did that, and um, I got a bunch of parts in for uh, Game Boy and uh, Sega Game Gear that um, a friend of Elmer's wants me to fix for him. So I will probably be doing that, uh, doing a stream of um, repairing those, um, hopefully this week, coming up here sometime. So uh, keep your eyes out for that, because that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, otherwise just, you know, normal adult life stuff. <laughs> Very much normal adult life stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, um, today we're talking about, yeah, I'm going to be talking about War, the Warcraft game, not World of Warcraft. I mean, I will touch on that a little bit. Um, but this, I think, is more based along the lines of Warcraft and not World. I mean, it's really, I don't know a whole lot of the story of like the universe and stuff because it's so much it is so much i i tried to watch like a a quick summary about it like a few years ago and i think it was like 12 hours worth of summarizing just to get like up to like one of the past like dlcs of world of warcraft so there's a lot, so I won't really be talking about that. So instead of Gamler and Telly at this point, it'd probably be take long to talk about basically the tech behind it, but basically you're just kind of go behind sort of the production history behind it. More so. Yeah, yeah, more so just the production of the, um, the first Warcraft game. Good, because for me to go in depth on all of the history of them trying to make a fucking movie based off the series is like me trying to talk about <laughs> um, anybody trying to make a Don Quixote film ever. <laughs> um but yeah so warcraft if you've never played any of the warcraft games i'm sure you're familiar with world of warcraft but warcraft started out like way back in the early 90s when pc games were all running on dos um it released in christmas of 1994 um, and it started when a group of developers uh working for a startup company called silicone and synapse uh who later changed their name to blizzard um, they would play a lot of games together, like in their free time or on their lunch breaks or whatever. Um, they were kind of inspired to make Warcraft after they were all playing a game called Dune 2 by Westwood Studios. Um, Dune 2 was arguably the first like modern real-time strategy game. Um, you know, like like StarCraft and Warcraft, like those are all real-time strategy games. So it's where you, you know, you you have um, like warriors and stuff that you create like in real time you have builders that'll build your facilities that you can like train them at and whatever and you have to like collect resources and build a strategy and go like invade another person's army or whatever what about like sid meyer's with the civilization series yeah yeah civ too yep yep civilization is really similar yep i was gonna say would that be around the same time as dune 2 kind of thing or is that Um, uh, a little later even I don't know when the first Civilization game came out, but it was probably right around this time. Hmm. Um, Dune 2, um, yeah, so I had like the squirreling world map, the real-time construction and movement, um, and individual unit combat, which is all pretty standard now, but like back then it was um, like the first. Um, Before we get much further, I will have to ask this quickly. So when you say Dune, D-U-N-E, yeah. You're referring to the same source material that the new Denny Valenuva film, uh, Masterpiece, Epic, <laughs> that just came out this past year. You're referring to the same thing that that came from, correct? I have no idea. Honestly, I- I've never heard of Dune 2, like the games. So 
Um, this is all new to me. <laughs> it's all hearsay and heresy. Yep. Gotcha. The, the only reason I'm talking about it is because uh, it has a lot to do with Warcraft, apparently. Um, so, so they would um, play the game, play Dune Two during lunch breaks um, with other Blizzard staff, and then afterwards they would go back to the office and compare play styles and tactics with each other. Um, and during all of this, they would even talk about like what they didn't like about the game and the setbacks and everything like that, um, which was all stuff they thought could be fixed and they wanted to do better and whatever. So, um, so they started kind of thinking about making their own game. And the, the biggest thing about Dune 2 is there was no multiplayer. It was you playing against AI. Um, so they really wanted that to be like a key point of, of whatever they were going to make. So they started developing Warcraft. Um, when it started, they weren't even really serious about it. Like, they didn't plan the game at all. They didn't do really any, like, planned game design. Uh, they didn't evaluate technical requirements. They didn't build a schedule or even budget for staff. Um, they just kind of, like, had one guy start making it and see where it went. Um, but Knowing was... where the story ends up, that makes so much sense. And it's kind of... I guess apparently still like a, a a big part of how they do a lot of things over there at Blizzard is they just kind of start doing stuff and wing it. They don't really know what's going on. Well, considering the sexual harassment lawsuit as well as the stru uh, structured restructure or unstructured restructuring they've had basically with everything going on between World of Warcraft and um, what's the other one? Uh, the first person choice. Oh, first person shooter overwatch oh overwatch. between those two from hearing from basically the restructuring they've had between the two of them no that definitely sounds like them just going eh, fuck it yeah well i mean especially i don't know if you've um been paying attention to the whole like act of blizzard fiascos and stuff like uh yeah i, I don't really want to get into that but <laughs> no we're not going to get into that let's put it this way that is a deep enough dive for anybody who is maybe interested between basically the stories we talk about between these uh between the film and the game bases and stuff like that let's put it this way it's a whole bunch of um rape i mean <laughs> well raping of both physical as well as on an occupational standard of in terms of going oh that's a lot of great work you're doing and a lot of great work you are <laughs> We're going to take that and or touch that. So yep. that's basically how this whole process works. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when development started, they didn't have like um, an art team or like anything like that. So they just screen capped artwork from Dune 2, um, which they used temporarily until they felt that they needed an art team. Um, so they had one person doing all the development in the beginning, and um, over the course of two weeks, uh, he created a playable version of the game. Um, and what's interesting is the the main developer, um, he kind of implemented like the click and drag like rectangle selection tool. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. No, I know exactly um, what you mean. Which wasn't really in games, but he put that in there because he um, used to work in CAD software a lot for like his father's company or stuff or something. Um, so it just seemed natural to him to like use like the click and drag rectangle. As somebody who is actually CAD certified, I can contend yes, no. Um, as somebody, I guess I should say, slight spoiler alert, somebody who grew up on RTSs but simultaneously also is CAD certified, the ability to drag, drop, and multi-select via basically clicking in a corner and multi-select 
is a goddamn godsend <laughs> in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um, and at first, he had it set so that there was no limit to the amount of units you could select. Uh oh. Um, but he found if you selected, say, a hundred units, it completely broke like the pathfinding algorithm that he made for for the units. So um, he limited. Uh, he put a limit of four units at a time that you could select. Let's put it this way. Tw the 2019 version of multi-cad, um, you try to multi-select eight unit or sorry, eight units, eight <laughs> objects at a time in that, you completely crash the software. <laughs> I don't even want to think about trying to implement that back in about 94 and 95. <laughs> right? Um, but they were able to increase that number to nine for Warcraft 2. Ooh. <laughs> so... Um, during development, the game obviously resembled Dune 2 so much that um, the staff would make jokes with each other saying, they're entirely different games. Our minimap is in the left corner. Their minimap is in the right corner. <laughs> um, but eventually they made enough progress to bring more people on to the project. Um, what I'm going to say is that defense right there is on par with Vanilla Ice going, no, 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 no. Queen and David Bowie, hint for later, uh, they, they went dun 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 da 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 da, and my sign goes da 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 doo doo. <laughs> Completely different. Um, but yeah, so they were finally able to bring like an actual art team onto the project and stuff, um, including uh, an artist who was mainly making um, art for Game Boy games. So that's kind of cool. I, I don't know anyone here who knows me a little bit or has watched my streams knows i'm a huge game boy fan so um it's not the same artist who did the original american art for mega man is it i don't think so okay no. because no With that gun <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you're gonna hear us bring up warhammer a lot um they actually wanted to obtain the license um, to Warhammer Universe so that they could increase sales with brand recognition. Um, and it was obviously a big inspiration for the character design and the world building and everything. Um, but in the end, it didn't work out because Blizzard already had some experience uh, making games for with licensed with DC Comics, and they were bad experiences. Um, they made Death and Return of Superman, and Justice League tax, or Task Force, um, they just really wanted to avoid working with licensed properties again. Um, I'm not going to lie, you saying DC Tax Force, I can literally see like some tax, <laughs> tax company back and forth yeah. going, we're going to make superheroes into a taxation game. But simultaneously, <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, that's also exactly what DC was going through back in 2017 after uh, the first <laughs> Justin Lee, Justice League did not make... Did not make bank at the theater. They're like, oh, fuck, here comes the tax man. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, um, I mean, as much as they ripped Warhammer off, if they would have actually licensed it, who knows if Blizzard would have ever gotten anywhere close to as big as they are now, you know? You're not wrong, and I can kind of... Slight spoiler alert as somebody who is a grown-up with, um, <laughs> with the Warhammer, both the... Warhammer Fantasy as well as Warhammer uh, 40k. I can honestly say without them actually being able to make the the Dawn of War games or the God of, uh, yeah the Dawn of War games, I honestly don't know where they'd actually be at this point. To tell you the truth, yeah, Warhammer. Yeah, I did like the Dawn of War games, and um, 
the Vermintide games. Ooh, if you've ever played fun. those, are a lot of fun. Mm. But yeah, I've tried to play like the Warhammer RTS. Uh, I think the newest one that just came out like recently. Uh, Total Warhammer. Yep. Yeah, three yeah. just came out just a couple weeks ago. And it's so complicated. It's overly complicated. Yeah, I mean that's what the tabletop thing is pretty much. Yep. <laughs> Let's replicate tabletop in a <laughs> in a virtual combat situation. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> but yeah, the um, the main developer Patrick Wyatt's, um, his dad actually returned uh, from a trip to Asia after Warcraft released, um, and he brought Patrick back some Warhammer minifigures that he found on his trip. And he said, I found these cool toys on my trip, and they reminded me a lot of your game. You might want to have your legal department contact them, because I think they're ripping you off. <laughs> Simultaneously, some poor fucking secretary over at Games Workshop in England had been on hold for at least three weeks so far with the Blizzard studio. of just, line one is busy. Please stand by for our, <laughs> our HR department or our licensing department. Right. Um... Oh. So yeah, I just think that's really funny. <laughs> Everyone like even if you don't know what Warhammer is, you're like, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> if the name didn't tip you off, if you've ever seen any of the box art between the two series, you're you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> um but yeah, there's obviously a lot about this game to unpack. Um, but I'm going to kind of keep it short because otherwise, I I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, but I, I do want to talk about a little bit, at least, Dota and World of Warcraft. So, And he is, he's told me that he will shoot me in the head if I start singing the bass on her song. So <laughs> it's the only reason I'm going to sit here and just be quiet for the next two minutes. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm someone who has played Warcraft... Well, not Warcraft 1 or 2, because I was a little too young then, but I played Warcraft 3 a lot. I played World of Warcraft multiple times um, for, like, months at a time and then given up because it's a lot. Um, but, yeah, Dota actually is exists because of Warcraft. So Dota, if you don't know, it's owned by Valve now or Steam. Um but it had its beginnings as a mod for Warcraft 3 called Defense of the Ancients, uh, where it would be five players compete against five others on a map that has three lanes, uh, and they try to destroy the other team's base. So it's a, it's a MOBA. It's I mean, if you don't know Dota, just think League of Legends. Um, that's kind of what League of Legends ripped off to get their game. Also, for the Warhammer fans out there, um, <laughs> Age of Sigmar. So, same concept. <laughs> More of the story, um, Game Workshop is still on hold on line one at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the creator of the mod uh, definitely didn't realize that he had created what would become one of the most financially successful game genres ever. Um, and he sadly stepped away from development shortly after releasing the dota mod um and then he he tried to come back and do some more for it but eventually he ended up just signing away um the game to valve which took it and made dota 2 which has been like a crazy money making game in in asia forever um let's see a few years later uh, a couple of people who 
actually like kind of built the Dota community hubs, uh, they would go on to create League of Legends. So um, another MOBA that's insanely popular and successful and <laughs> makes it's they're they're money machines really. And also on top of that, I mean, for the love of God, your actual acronym for your company is LOL. Of course, you're gonna make all the money in the fucking world. <laughs> well, the company is Riot. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Your game is going to make all the money in the world. Because anytime <laughs> someone goes, WTF is lol on Google, this is going to come up League of Legends. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, that's it's kind of just really interesting that it just started out as a mod. You know, I, I love stuff like that. Um, like, communities that are, like, mod communities are really special. And it kind of really sucks when people try to get them shut down. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, just to give a little bit of quick history to a lot of the modding communities and stuff like that, not to derail my video game uh, central oh, no friend here, but uh, let's put it this way. We would not have Counter-Strike. We would not have Portal. We would not have Left 4 Dead. Uh, we would not have Team Fortress 2. I, that's just on the Source side. Um, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> the Valve side of it. Uh, what else would we not have uh, when it comes to anything like that? Um I don't know, man. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I think that's because this movie was so long, my brain is kind of empty right now. <laughs> yeah, no, we're both a little fried on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of... It's it's happened a lot of times where somebody will make a good mod for something and then end up creating their own game, mm -hmm. um, which I love to see. Um, but yeah, World of Warcraft um, also has a really interesting history, which I'm sure is a lot longer than the history for Warcraft. So I'm going to just talk a little teeny tiny bit about it. But uh, if you don't know, World of Warcraft is the, like, had been for a long time the world's most popular MMO, massive multiplayer online game. It's been you served? Uh, I think right now it's Final Fantasy XIV has the most players. Oh... I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. I don't want to get in any fights over it because I don't care. <laughs> but um, the original World of War or World of Warcraft was created by a team of forty people, which, if you compare that to the current day dev team of hundreds, you think like, how did they ever release this? Um, kind just like Warcraft and kind of their style of making things all along. Uh. <laughs> the um what well, where where's my spot here yeah they kind of just made shit up as they went along <laughs> um since in 2001 when the game was uh, released they had no experience making mmos or 3d games so um they had they had first been using the warcraft 3 engine to make the game and then they realized like warcraft 3 and world of warcraft are completely different um, play styles, you know, mechanics, everything. So they had to pretty much scrap it all and start over, build a whole new game engine from scratch. Um, so it was extremely expensive to make. Um, and where is my spot here? Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, dev team that worked on it was overworked and tired. Uh, they worked long, like 60-plus-hour weeks, which... Uh, at the time, the company was against crunch, but this was kind of just like a team doing whatever it wanted and trying to meet a deadline, so they kind of just did it. I like how in the age of after uh, Cyberpunk 2077, 
when we hear about like you know team crunch and long working mm -hmm. hours and just like rush development we're just like oh no that's part for the course yeah 2001 2004 era we're just like wait really that that was that hard for you guys <laughs> yeah um where am i here uh the routine for the team was just to come into work and uh they would work on tree stumps and doors and bushes and you know whatever else day after day week after week for years <laughs> uh with no end in sight you know um, a lot of them wanted like more structure, more planning and stuff from higher ups, but it's Blizzard, so that didn't happen. Um, but they were passionate about the World of Warcraft, so it ended up um, working out in the end. Uh, <laughs> luckily, it turned out to be a huge mega hit, who, which is, I mean, that game has been live for almost 20, 20 years. 20 years, now. yeah. Jeez. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's what I got. Um, it was, there was a lot of interesting stuff, but man, if I talk any longer about this, I might <laughs> just go gray. Before we go on anything further, I just want to bring this up how this is one of my favorite internet stories of all time. One of my favorite gaming stories of all time, just the crossover between real world anything. And video games kind of collide into one just beautiful moment of meeting. And that is how, in an update, I want to say about 2000, late 04, 05. You're talking about Leroy Jenkins? No, not Leroy Jenkins. Oh. No, 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 that's another story <laughs> for another time. Trust me, we will get back to Leroy Jenkins. <clears throat> one of the greatest battle cries in world history. May, fuck remember the Alamo <laughs> fuck for fuck we will fight them on the beaches we will fight them on the mainland no 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 Leroy Jenkins will be the final battle cry of somebody throughout world the day humanity dies when the aliens or the terminators <laughs> or the Atlanteans rise from the sea whatever it may be Leroy Jenkins will be the final battle cry of humanity uh no um one of the dungeons they made an attack, a poison attack, by one of the enemies in that, where within 30 seconds of you attacking this creature, it would infect you with some kind of a poison or a hmm. sickness spell. And within 30 seconds of you getting infected by it, you would be able to spread that to other people, and then you drop dead instantly. And once they get infected by it, within 30 seconds, they would. it was either 30 or 60 seconds, I can't remember hmm. the exact amount, but you would also drop dead. And the developing development team at Blizzard thought to themselves, oh, this is perfect. It's just in this dungeon kind of thing. It's a good area of effect tack, or uh, attack or tactic. What's the worst that could happen? Did it make its way out of the dungeon? Players realized, oh, I can transport my way out of this dungeon into crowded areas and to do full-on attacks and kill full-on cities with this thing. I am not kidding when I say this. <laughs> the CDC, Center of Disease Control in the United States, as well as the Department of Defense, have taken this video game landmark <laughs> where they have killed thousands of players simulation. of just people going, oh, hey, we can just transport ourselves to here and kill them. Because what immediately happened was, is um, after this started happening, Blizzard started getting messages like, Non-stop from people going, what the fuck? Why did I just suddenly drop dead here? And they went, 
oh no, this isn't good. So they quickly went and they went, okay, you can no longer do this attack in the dungeon. That is it for the entire uh, disease of this, correct? No. Players realize if they then transport themselves to the middle of nowhere, and then they were able to transport their friends to the middle of nowhere, they can reinfect their friends. So they kept up a hive mind, or I should say an actual <laughs> breeding ground for this disease, and then would randomly transport themselves to this. And that is why, to this day, World of Warcraft has been a case study on how to bioengineer and keep running <laughs> bioterrorism. Damn. The American Department of Defense has a full-on file? As well <laughs> as defense strategies against something like this happening in the United States for real <laughs> That is a thing of beauty. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is too good. Alright, so my apologies for the quick digression there. No, no, no worries. Uh, uh, I love shit like that. Well, excellent. Well, uh, before we get into too much further, uh, or sorry, going into the film uh, progress of this, you talked about the fact that you played a little bit of World of Warcraft here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Um, had you had any uh, experience with the Warcraft game series before that? Yeah, yeah. I played Warcraft 3 mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the early 2000s, after World of Warcraft had come out, but I grew up in the country and I didn't have uh like internet so i played warcraft 3 just like the campaign and stuff against ai and to that i say you're okay i lived in the middle of town i didn't get an internet until I, until 2005 so you know what you're fine <laughs> i didn't get it until 2010 <laughs> yeah <laughs> um just to kind of stem off of that the closest thing i ever had to any experience of the warcraft gaming series at all was my family grew up as fans of Warhammer, specifically Warhammer Fantasy. And as somebody who has stemmed from there and actually become a little bit of a fanboy of Games Workshop, the entire time I sat here watching this movie, I went, oh, someone gonna sue somebody? <laughs> or they should be suing somebody? Or the fact that, wait, you really didn't win that lawsuit <laughs> of suing these people? I'm I, like, oh, shit. I don't know how... <laughs> how they didn't win any lawsuit either. i do know exactly how they didn't win any lawsuit and that is that basically uh the people at blizzard pulled out they basically said well if you look at our inspiration for this is entirely based off of the works of tolkien which when uh jr tolkien wrote the books uh the lord of the rings books back uh between the 19 late 1930s and the mid 1940s up until the mid 50s and stuff like that Basically, copyright law worked differently back then. In that a lot of the ideas from that, while the stories themselves are still copywritten to this day, the ideas of them are not. So because of that, from there, any idea of a woodland elf having pointy ears and being much at peace with the inner workings of the interworld, or orcs being pretty much barbar green screen barbarians or humans basically, well, Pretty much being a Charlemagnean fucking nut jobs, you can run with that to this day if you really want to. It's kind of the same thing. You can make yourself a cartoon that looks like Mickey Mouse, but you can't make Mickey Mouse. Same concept. Um, but yeah, somebody who <laughs> grew up being a big fan of Warhammer, I sat here the entire time going, "Oh dear God!" It's like <laughs> watching. It's like watching my favorite actors getting gutted alive on screen. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I mean, I kind of kind of was. I mean, it had uh, a lot of like pretty well-known actors. Extremely well-known actors. And most of them got gutted alive on screen. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to kind of move over to the film uh, concept behind this then. Um, basically, pretty much since the game came out, there had been talks of, oh, we need to do some sort of adaptation of this one way or another. A fantasy film, for the most part, at least since like that... Uh, <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, fantasy live-action film has always had a weird sort of place in film history uh sword and sandals films and stuff like that with like say jason the argonauts clash of the titans and stuff like that it, they'd always made money just with kind of the spectacle spectacle and the sci-fi aspect of it or i don't say sci-fi but just sort of the special effects aspect of it it's always just on a grand scale you have to look at look at the special effects we put in these pretty much mm -hmm. Even in the 1980s, when there's kind of a resurgence of that with, say, after Star Wars, which is, you can say Star Wars, oh, that's a sci-fi film. Look, there's people running around that control shit with their psychic energy in their mind and have laser swords. But no, uh, Star Wars is a, it's it's a sci-fantasy. It's a sci-fantasy. It's yeah. very describing it. Um, with uh, Conan the Barbarian, though, that kind of helped to reintroduce the idea of like a hard sci-fi sword and sandals universe. So everything from Dragon Slayer to Crawl to, you know, like, um, uh, uh, crap, I'm trying to some other words. Uh, but, I mean, dear God, uh, Roger Corman had about 50 of them that he put out a year, all of them starring, um, what's his name, uh, David Carradine every mm -hmm. single time. So whenever you watch that, you're like, ooh, that doesn't carry across nowadays. <laughs> uh, poor Kill Bill. Anyway, um, <clears throat> You know, everybody been trying to reintroduce the concept of a hard sci or science fiction or sorry, I shouldn't say science fiction, but a hard fantasy kind of film into that universe. It wasn't until the Lord of the Rings came out in 2001 that it really helped to reestablish the idea of, oh, there is an interest in this. An idea of there being like a medieval fantasy film. You steer, you steer away a little bit from the fantasy element, but you still introduce kind of the concepts of there being a... A fantastical. There, there are monsters, creatures, magic, and whatnot. But yeah. you try, but you stay more to the actual medieval element. That works. Which part of that, in a way, also has to stem off of back in '98, which was what really excited them to actually try to do a Warhammer, or <laughs> Warhammer, Warcraft movie. Originally, was Braveheart actually. Oh, both Braveheart and Gladiator helped to reintroduce the idea of, oh, we have people, you know, thousands of people on a battlefield wanting to hack each other to death with swords, hammers and whatnot. Maybe we can make ourselves this movie. It wasn't until the introduction of the Lord of the Rings franchise that they started realizing, oh, we can do this. <laughs> and then our friend Yuva Bull approached Blizzard in 2006 oh, and God. went, I want to make a Warcraft movie. And they flat out told them, not in your fucking lifetime, pal. Which is Good. one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Is they've, leaked the, they've released the memo saying, there's no way in heaven and hell we will give you the rights to our film. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, so instead, anyway, uh, that Warcraft, or the people at Blizzard, after doing some script writing and stuff like that, they gave it to the English director, Duncan Jones, who is uh, quite well known throughout uh, the film industry as being the director of Moon, starring Sam Rockwell from uh, 2009, I believe, which is quite a good movie. And then he did Source Code, one of the worst marketed action films I've ever seen, but still a <laughs> very solid and very good sci-fi action film starring Jake Gyllenhaal. 
Um, he was given the script of the film. He took one look at it and said, you do realize this sounds very uh, oligarchy-based as well as slightly racist in the fact that it's all from the human-centrist side. Which, if anything, this kind of knowing what I know about the series, if anything, shouldn't this kind of work for both the orcs as well as the humans at the same time? Blizzard took one look at the script and said, you know what, you're right, we haven't updated this in nearly 20 years. Oh, Pulls out the red pen, crosses some <laughs> shit out, and next thing you know... Got yourself the Warcraft movie. Um, when Duncan Jones went in the process of writing this, um, he said that one of the things that he included with it is that simultaneously, when he went into development, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, unfortunately. She had been in remission since 2012. This is about 2014 when he had gotten the script for it. Uh, fortunately, she has uh, been able to beat that second wave so far, and she's doing good now. Um, during production, actually, he gave he had his second child, so there's, as he's explained, there's a lot of story about paternal bonding as well as just kind of uh, the idea of family and lineage to this film. As well as when he was in the late stages of production on this film, his father famously died of cancer. I have been candid in the dark on this for two weeks in terms of who Duncan Jones' father. Who is the most famous person you know with the last name of Jones? Alex Jones. <laughs> no, I have no. I don't know what you're getting at here. Let me rephrase this. Famously, his father was born with the last name of Jones. His father's name was Jones, but he had to change his name because there's another person by the name of Davy Jones who was a famous English singer. Oh. Duncan Jones is the son of David Bowie. No way. Yes way. <laughs> <laughs> part of me wishes and is so sad to know that david bowie never got to watch his son's uh fantasy epic magnum opus that was warcraft but at the same time i can honestly i can see the look on david bowie's face the entire time going what does this have to do with labyrinth the hell is this <laughs> where's the dance magic dance <laughs> <laughs> exactly but uh yeah, no, uh, Duncan Jones went into this basically looking at it from almost like a sociopolitical aspect in terms of how would these nations actually kind of interact with one another. And he did the smartest thing possible, I think, at least for hiring actors. He understood that with doing this world, you can't actually have actors in suits the entire time. You're going to have to do a whole lot of motion capture, which kind of nicely he talked about that. And he said that. When it comes to CGI, he does not look at CGI in terms of it being like an enhancement of the world. He looks at CGI as being more like how people look at props. How in your standard film, you know, you can have a piece of styrofoam or a piece of freaking sheet metal in front of an actor. And yet they're able to look at it. They're able to hold it. They're able to light it. And, you know, it's Excalibur in the actor's hand. Well, Duncan Jones has said that he looks at CGI in the same way. It's all in the handling of how you implement it, how you light it, as well as how much you expression you get out of it is how you can make your film. And considering how much motion capture went into this film and the fact he hired so many fantastic character actors. Dude, so, yeah, the, the motion capture is one thing, but also just like the the level of detail and texture in the actual um, like like models, the, the 3D models and stuff like it it looks so good i mean i'm sure they've done stuff that's like pretty on par with this recently but i mean being made i mean when they started production on this eight years ago or whatever i mm -hmm. mean that was 
crazy. And like even like the level of like animation in the face or like where you can see like, you know, like the uneven colors of skin, how you can see kind of like some blood cells and stuff through the surface. Like they put so much work into it. Like it's kind of sad that it just ended up being a video game movie. you know? Which no. And I'm really sad about that too. You look at just the amount of, this is going to hurt for me to say the level of detail. They went in terms of the motion capture and the CGI elements of this film is like not to bring it up but i'm gonna bring it up it's like four times beyond that than they did with the final fantasy the spirits within in terms of then them going oh this is lifelike cgi this is lifelike recreation we're getting it down to the hair follicle we're getting it down to the liver spot you know just everything in terms of just our 3d modeling this film shows what the implementation of CGI, in my opinion, can be. And that is you can make a fully rendered 3D character on screen that you can actually feel for and you hope for. Yeah. And the funny thing is, two things on that. One, this is me saying this as a Tom Savini graduate. I'm the one saying this movie made me give a shit about CGI characters. <laughs> and two... Toby Kebbell, who plays the main orc in this, as well as one of the main arc mages in it, is somebody who has become, maybe not quite usurped, but he has been the understudy for the fantastic... Um, Andy Serkis. A thank you, Andy Serkis. I was going to say, yeah. shit, I saw the Batman <laughs> last night, even I couldn't remember his name there. But uh, yes, no. <clears throat> He's basically been the uh, student of the great Andy Serkis in terms of what it takes uh, being both uh, Koba as well as uh, the King Kong in the newest legendary King Kong films, as well as Koba in the um, Planet of the Apes films as of recently, in terms of just being able to show just kind of the darkness and the actual personality that you can provide on screen. I'm going to say it. This film actually did make me fully... It gave me a better appreciation in terms of what an actual motion capture performance could be. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really good. It was really good, um, like effects and CG and stuff. Like, and then there's the on camera shit in this. Yeah, <laughs> it's I kind of said to you. Um, Duncan Jones himself has said that every film he kind of comes into, he tries to approach it from one side rather than from two sides. He tries to show an appreciation for one side and then try to bring you in and kind of show the dichotomy. Mm -hmm. You can tell that his dichotomy in this was for the orcs in terms of where they were sort of being integrated into, you know, an actual human landscape. Yeah. He, he gave no shits about any other part of this film. I, yeah, I hate to much. say it. As I leaned over to you as somebody who is a fabricator, who is a historian, as well as somebody who has a sociopolitical understanding or under or sorry, sociopolitical undergraduate degree. Um, <laughs> uh, watching this film, I was having flashbacks to uh, Attack of the Clones from 2002 and not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, like all the all the scenes that were like um, focused on the humans and stuff was all just like you know talking about like war strategy and stupid bullshit that you know doesn't didn't really matter but then when it was focusing on the orcs it would be like you know all the drama and like the how evil the bad guy was and like how 
the main orc had a newborn baby and like all all that stuff so yeah it, it definitely makes sense on top of that, when you go into the human world and you're seeing people actually live in camera as well as within sets, you're looking at that and you're like, Dear God, this looks like the Saban production of the Knights of Tarberin or whatever the hell it was called on Fox Kids back in the day. The not Power Rangers medieval series they had. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember ever watching that. Oh dear God, so you're telling me I'm one of the three people on the planet that still <laughs> remembers that shitty show? I guess so. Okay. Uh, okay, let me rephrase that. Uh, when I look at... This is how I look at it. I We were talking about this earlier. When it comes to fantasy series, I like fantasy series that either A, take themselves seriously enough that there's a much of grounded reality in it that you can feel the tactile... Maybe not duality, but you can actually just... It feels real. Uh, with that, I would kind of give it to a little bit of Game of Thrones, a little bit of the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, you know, uh, uh, Dragon Slayer, stuff like that. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got stuff that goes a little more fantastical, but it doesn't quite take itself too seriously in the sense that it is a fully functioning world. With that, I say, like, The NeverEnding Story, Krull, um, Conan the Barbarian, to a certain extent, and stuff like that. This finds itself somewhere in the middle so much. Archangel, please. Not right now. <laughs> but you are correct. That one is definitely on the uh, on the other end of the spectrum. That is definitely closer to that with the Shannara Chronicles, so, which I was having flashbacks to while we are watching this. Yep. So for the audio listeners, uh, yeah, someone mentioned the Shannara Chronicles. Which is a lot of fun and very cool, and you got the great James Ramar being a complete scumbag in it, so how can you not love that? But, um, <laughs> uh, let's just say that, um, some of my least favorite films of all time, like movies I literally was nearly hitting my head on the seat in front of me, was stuff like The Bridge to Terabithia. Mm. Both of the Maleficent movies while in theaters, um... Uh, I, I know I messaged you like four of them. What was the other one that I did? Uh, I can't remember. I All I know is it was stuff I haven't seen because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Narnia films. Oh, okay. I, it's, I it's seen like, yeah. I will give it to it. This film had a good middle ground in terms of how it was able to approach itself to give yourself a good living world, but at the same time, you're not worried about, oh, how are we going to worry about the, uh, the implementation of the elves kind of thing? It, it's yeah, the, but at the same time, when they did that implementation, when they did that, when they actually had the elves show up and stuff like that, I leaned over to Levy here and I went, "Dear God, who the hell did the motion comic based off the magic cards?" Oh well, no! Well, I mean, the point is that it is a, a video game movie, and you know they are thinking, you know, if we don't make these this race of, of whatever of elves look exactly how they do in the game. Our fans are going to rip us apart. So I can see why they made those choices to make, you know, things look like that, but it wasn't, it, it kind of pulled you out of the experience mm -hmm. a little bit. So it was kind of sucked. <laughs> and to that I say, well, they didn't have to worry about their fans. Cause it's only made three, uh, three or sorry. A $39 million stateside here against a $200 million budget. However, this is still the highest grossing video game movie in history at 439 
million dollars. <laughs> All 400 of that made in Asian territories. And that is where we're going to suddenly move on to the other end of the production of this film, and that is the International Box Office. This film helped to prove, with the Transformers films, just how important it is to make your film stand out in China. In China. Yep. In that it doesn't matter what your characters say or what the story is, as long as it is flashy, colorful, and looks cool, you'll make your money back. And as long as it's not Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, that too. <laughs> because Winnie the Pooh is banned in China. Because <laughs> he doesn't wear pants. <laughs> no. Same with Donald Duck. No, because he looks like their emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you yeah. yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> someone years ago, someone made a meme or, or a joke on the internet about how um yeah, Winnie the Pooh looks like the the Chinese emperor. And... Oh, oh, no, sorry, not emperor. Uh, I was going to say president. Oh, president. Uh, yeah, whatever. Are you sure that was Xi Jinping and not, um, what's his name? Kim uh, Jong-un. Yeah, Kim Jong-un. No, no, it was Xi Jinping. <laughs> oh, good. So, yeah, now Winnie the Pooh is banned in China. Well, us by bringing this up now and laughing at Xi Jinping looking like Winnie the Pooh, I've got a feeling we are now going to be banned in China as well. So uh, Who cares? Congratulations. <laughs> here, here, let me, let me show you. Oh, I gotta see this. Still makes me think of one of my favorite clips from uh, uh, Conan a few years back when he did the um, Trump calls videos where he calls Obama, and he's talking about, "Yeah, we had a meeting with uh, the president of uh, of China here," and then Obama goes, "You mean Xi Jinping?" He goes, "No, not the panda." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> Looks like Winnie the Pooh. That's for sure. Oh, this one's even better. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love shit like that. Oh. Um, and he's just a nice-looking politician. That's he, all he is. It he, just turns he out... He looks like a nice old man, but... He looks like a nice upper-middle-aged man just smiling at a camera, which also looks a little like Winnie the Pooh, so... <laughs> Which, hey, if anything, he looks like three-quarters of the people that grew up in our fucking hometown, so it's not saying much. In terms of you smile at the camera, you're going to look like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Oh, um, I guess I should say kind of a funny sort of thing that happened. So um, in terms of the production of the film, the uh, people, the guy who did the music for this, mm -hmm. uh, he's also the guy who did the music for Game of Thrones. I could see that. As well as Westworld, a whole bunch of shows. Fantastic uh, musician who, I, whenever I see him pop up, he's actually a student of Hans Zimmer, who did, like, you know, the Batman film, oh. the Requiem for a Dream and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. Um, apparently, this guy also did, like, most of the, like, et sound editing for, like, the um, parts of the early parts of the Caribbean movies. So it kind of shows you so... No, I mean, I was actually... Uh, my apologies. Quite transfixed when it came to the actual music for Warcraft here. I was like, wow, this is actually really good. It does remind me yep. a lot of Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. which I'm not the biggest fan of. But uh, Westworld, I am a huge fan of. Uh, they kind of went through that, and I could hear it, and I'm just like, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah, and that's the thing. Whether you like the movie or not, it's undeniable that the production value and the amount of, of effort and work that went into this movie is unreal. Mm -hmm. It is crazy. Um, very impressive. But um, we should try to wrap it up. We've been going for about an hour now, so let's try to summarize this movie 
quickly and it it can be quickly summarized because they made it in a way where this <laughs> the story is easy enough to digest even if you're not paying attention <laughs> even if you don't speak english <laughs> you can digest it yeah. 400 because 400 million dollars worth of people were able to easily digest it yeah so um kind of starts out uh talking about how I mean, the orcs and the humans started fighting. So the orcs, they have this crazy wizard war chief guy who uses, uh, it's called the fell, which is basically magic that he is able to use by sacrificing large amounts of people. He opens a portal because their world is dying. Also, how the hell Games Workshop didn't have a fucking lawsuit right there in terms of the warp and 40k right. <laughs> in comparison, and then some like just add that to the fucking pile. But yes, you are correct. Yeah, so um, their world is dying. So this magic war chief guy opens a portal to um, the world with the humans and Azeroth and, and whatever, and so they come in and start uh, pillaging and taking what they want and growing in power and everything through the human world. The humans gotta, you know, use their powers to fight and whatever. And there are a lot of interesting fight scenes, I guess, where, like you said when we were watching it, it really kind of is impressive how they made it look like these people are fighting, you know, eight-foot-tall orcs. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool in that aspect. But then during the middle, there's a lot of the stupid drama politics, whatever. Um, it ends up where where some of the orcs realize that this this war chief's magical powers are killing the earth and that's why their old world isn't habitable and that if they keep supporting him and, and fighting for him it's just going to happen to this world too um so they kind of start teaming up with the humans and um yeah and then I mean, everybody dies yeah <laughs> we're uh, putting it. <laughs> a lot of people die um there's a interesting scene with a big uh golem and um you know like the big human magic user ends up being evil and uh oh ben foster is secretly the villain in this what a fucking <laughs> shock <laughs> and don't get me wrong i love me some ben foster but yeah him turning out to be secretly evil what and then there's the half human half orc that was a slave of the orcs and ended up getting set free and is now helping the humans and for being uh you know a mixed breed 50 50 it it's just a human with fangs sticking out of her mouth painted green um uh, like elmer said during the movie it you know they could have made some more effort to to make her look more orcish and stuff but it basically ends up just looking like a cosplayer she looks like she would have gotten fifth place at comic-con let's put it that way <laughs> but i can kind of i'm my guess is to the reason as why they did it that way is because you know again for their nerdy gamer fan base that they're expecting to cater to uh is they want to have someone who's attractive that people can try to you know relate with a little bit or whatever but sex appeal got it yeah um but yeah anyway a bunch of uh story that doesn't matter a whole lot happens a bunch of people die Mini um, reunion between the stars of Preacher in that the High King is played by the great um, Dominic Cooper and then his High Queen is played by Ruth Negan. And this movie came out the same year that uh, Preacher first debuted. And it's just like, oh, that's kind of cool, actually. Even though those two never actually share a scene together. So, kind of cool. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, of course, uh, everything works out in the end, and uh, they kill the bad guy, and uh, end of the movie. Wait, do they actually kill the bad guy? Oh yeah, yeah. He does die. Oh, that's right. He splits mm-hmm. him from scrote to throat. I forget yeah. about that. <laughs> yep. Oh, and also we have uh, baby orc Moses. Don't forget about that. <clears throat> so um, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's finish this up. Was this a bop or a flop for you, Elmer? Now you're gonna give me a fucking hard decision, Jesus. <laughs> or you can say what was a bop and what was a flop. About. Okay, I'm gonna say that. Um, thematically, this was a flop. Um, <laughs> just seeing the actual, hearing people who have actually seen this film, which considering this is the United States and it only made under $40 million, uh, theatrically from hearing them say, you gotta see this movie. It is a fantastic adaptation of the Warcraft game and whatnot, which I haven't gotten to say yet. My only time I've ever played Warcraft, I played World of Warcraft for all of 30 minutes and it was 30 of the most boring minutes of my entire <laughs> life. I played as a zombie. I ran around. I killed four bo- four wild boars, collected my gold, went to go buy a bigger weapon with bigger power to it. The person said, no, you're, you got to kill about 400 more boars. And I went, well, fuck this. Turned it off and went and watched RoboCop. So, <laughs> but um, no, from a representation in terms of just going, this feels like an actual world in and of itself. This movie is a bop and a half. Watching this, this has better actual film presence and the idea of world building than just about anything I've seen in a while. This feels like a fully established big world. I know nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean I know nothing beyond just the fact that this is a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about that, but looking at these characters, I know what it is they are. So... From a world-building standpoint, this movie is a bop and a half. I was kind of, maybe not in shock, but I was kind of in awe, just in terms of what they were able to produce with this. Thematically, though, from a storytelling storytelling standpoint, I still have barely an idea, any idea of what the fuck was going on. And I understand, I was talking and making fun of this movie a lot of the way through it, but even then... The whole way, yeah. Even then, at the same time, I'm like, no, I I have no need to ever go back and watch this film again. So you'd say this was a flop for you? I'm going to say it. This movie was a flop for me. I'm going to say it. I, I really did like the story building, or the actual world building elements to it. But when you murder two-thirds of your fucking cast in it, and then you decide, oh, by the way, this is technically a prequel to it? Or to the actual game? It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to actually say that this was a bop for me. Um, and, and kind of along what you were saying, uh, you know, where where a lot of things were great, but then, like, you know, thematically it kind of, you know, fell short, where to me it seems like this would have done so much better if it wasn't a Warcraft movie. You know, if they would have done this as, like, a new IP. Um, but, I'm... but, and I'm just going to say this. I brought this up to you kind of early in the film. Had this been a new IP, where they dropped us into it, they're basically speaking gibberish through this entire film. Right, but here's my point with that, is because it's Warcraft IP, they just drop you in because it's the same world and same a lot of the same characters and stuff in the game so anyone who 
is already a fan of Warcraft would pick up on that. But they kind of hit this weird middle ground where it wasn't good enough to be, you know, a movie just for Warcraft fans. And it wasn't good enough to be a movie for people who are completely uninterested in Warcraft. So for the majority of people in the U.S. at least, probably not hitting the mark. But for someone like me who, you know, I have played some Warcraft, I'm not interested enough in the story to actually have paid attention when I played. And so I have a little bit of interest and a little bit of knowledge about it, but um, I can come at it from that average moviegoer's perspective that has just enough knowledge to enjoy it. And so I, I really did think it was a bop, but it really, yeah, it kind of hit, did this middle ground thing that, that I don't think worked for a lot of people, so... And considering you brought it up earlier, how the hell during that final battle was there not like, Sir Jenkins, you must go up there and defend your honor. Running <laughs> 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 into battle, how the hell did they not incorporate? You know, that? if they would have put that in this movie, they would have doubled their money. I mean, for the love of God, the <laughs> third fucking X Men movie put I'm the Juggernaut bitch in there. Oh, speaking of Ben friggin' Foster, <laughs> yeah, the evil Archmage in this was was Angel in that thir <laughs> the third X-Men movie. It's just like, oh, wait, oh, no. <laughs> ben Foster's evil in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so um, with that, I think we can actually wrap this up and, and call it the end of the episode here. So I hope you guys enjoyed watching. Um, anyone that's, that's here in, in uh, Twitch chat, stick around for our Q&A that we're going to be doing. Um, for everyone else, if you're um, wondering where you can watch our YouTube videos or if you use a certain um, podcast service that you want to find us on, go to gamelink.click. You'll find um, everywhere that you can find us there. Um, and yeah, so I, I hope you give us a follow and um, we will see you next week. That we will, and I promise it will be a next week. I will not call out sick, in pain, infirm, or having mechanical issues next week. Promise. <laughs> For surezies, I will be here next week. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, I hope you have a great week. We will uh, see you next week. Stay safe. Stay sexy, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.